This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. And you're listening to Finance Talkback on 2NURFM. It's 25 past 12. Barry, a special subject or one that we perhaps need to be aware of all the time. Very much so. And uh, we're very pleased to have with us today uh, Cole Dyson, Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson, who is the commander of the New South Wales Police Fraud Squad. And Colin's been with the Fraud Squad for many years and is very well aware of the many areas of possible fraud and actual fraud. How are you, Cole? Very well, thanks, Barry. It's a busy industry you're in, I believe. Yes, it is. Uh, it is busy, busier all the time. Unfortunately, a growing industry, I believe, too. Look, um, I know we go over a lot of these things uh, quite regularly, but I believe, and I'm quite sure you do too, the more we make people aware of these things, the less chance of being caught with uh, some, well, any sort of fraud. Yes, that's right. Look, emails. <clears throat> now, I know these come up quite regularly. I get them so many of them at work looking for you to join a company as a financial advisor or manager or just to help them collect money to send it on to them and you can keep up to 5 or 10%. This can be a very, very dangerous thing to get involved in. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, generally these emails, um, and in fact sometimes they advertise um, in papers as well, but generally you, you'll receive an email, um, maybe a notification on, uh, on the internet, you'll see um, some type of um, advertisement, but what they want is someone who to make themselves available as a financial uh, controller or some other fancy title. Um, it looks like it's some sort of employment. You uh, you're offered a, a position to work from home, and all you need is a computer. Um, sometimes I ask you to use a um, um, an existing bank account, but more often than not, they'll ask you to open a bank account, and all you have to do is receive funds into it, mm. and then transmit those funds overseas, and your uh, salary or wage, if you like, commission is 5 or 10%, as you said. Um, the funny thing is they never go into the normal processes that you would if you're going to obtain some sort of employment. They never ask for an interview. Uh, they never ask for uh, a CV or a bio. Um, they, won't, uh, they won't allocate a TFN or ask for your tax file number. The, the usual things that uh, a person would ask or an organisation would ask for if they're engaging someone um, as an employee. Mm. And, Cole, okay, let's assume I'm uh, pretty gullible. Well, well, I might be, I don't know. But let's assume I accept the offer of this sort of thing and I go out and I open a bank account. And, of course, these days uh, with this Money Laundering and Terrorism Act, they're very serious, I believe. Some of the fines can be in the vicinity of up to $11 million for businesses and about $1.1 million for individuals. But I didn't know this, so I go out and open the account and accept this job. What happens? Well, if you're uh, if you're at the behest or you've been employed by an organised crime group, what you're doing is laundering proceeds of crime. You're um, receiving proceeds of crime into that bank account and you're transmitting them overseas. It's a money money laundering operation, and in fact, you're receiving a benefit that is your wages. So you're you're deriving um, a benefit from proceeds of crime yourself. Ooh, and what are the consequences here? <laughs> well, um, of course, people. After, if you're suspicious, um, but you're going this employment anyway, mm. um, and something will always happen to um, alert you, so alert you to this is this isn't right. Um, Anti-money laundering uh, legislation does um, have provisions for willful blindness. In other words, um, you, you turn your you know something's crooked is going on, but you just turn yourself off. Mm. You, you are blind to the fact. You ignore it, and that that can constitute an offence. Mm. Um, now, if you do know um, that you're uh, 
that you're transmitting proceeds of crime overseas to offshore bank accounts, well, then you're in a whole heap of trouble criminally under the New South Wales statutes. Um, mm. You could well be um, an accessory after the fact uh, to a deception or whatever fraud occurred um, that, that um, caused people to lose their money and those proceeds to be gained. Right. Um, you could also uh, be charged with state money laundering offences or dealing in proceeds of crime, which, you, which uh, carries with it up to a 20-year maximum sentence. So it is very, very serious, and I would uh, warn anyone to be involved, at looking at getting involved in these things, to think twice. Absolutely. Now, of course, an email, we get these, and you probably get them too, and you say, I mentioned you something the other day, and you said you get thousands of these emails a week. An email I receive quite frequently, which informs me that I've bought an airline ticket or um, or something like that, or I've got uh, some goods from eBay and I have to pay for them and I need to send some bank account details. What's this one all about? Well, um, there are a variety of these. Sometimes um, the, re- the response you make to that email may be um, a fishing expedition by them to gain banking details from you. So they'll ask a series of questions after that saying that, oh, well, it could be that uh, you bought an airline ticket, oh, we, we, I think we've made a mistake, this was paid for by credit card, what are your credit card numbers, um, uh, just to <laughs> verify your security, for security reasons, what's your name, uh, what's your PIN number, what's your password, what's your mother's maiden name, that sort of thing, they'll get as much information out of it as they can. Now, they are fairly obvious to, if, you, if you've got your thinking cap on, the more insidious are those that release um, a Trojan uh, virus into your computer called a keylogger, mm. and that can be affected by opening an attachment. Um, you mentioned the eBay or auction site responses, and we get them all the time. Uh, question asked by a mysterious buyer, I've bought your goods, why haven't you delivered? Or I want it, do you deliver overseas? That sort of thing. As soon as you hit the respond button, mm. you may well be releasing a keylogging um, virus into your computer. Now, what that does, it sits in your computer. You may notice that your computer um, slows down a little bit and goes haywire for a little while and then comes good. You may notice nothing at all. Um, Now, if your virus protection um, doesn't pick it up, what that will do is look for signals. In other words, you're tapping away on your keyboard and you might put in a bank account, Mm. um, an account, um, a name of a bank. As soon as you do that, the virus picks up, hey, this is what I'm looking for, mm. and starts recording, say, the next 100 or 200 keystrokes. And, and then they transmit that back to uh, the crooks, um, and they obviously have all your details in because you would have put in your passwords, etc. That's a very sophisticated virus, isn't it? So if you get something and you don't know anything about it, just delete it. That's right. That's the best advice for anyone, I think. Now, mortgage fraud, is this still a concern, mortgage fraud? It is, it is. Um, now... We, we have different levels of mortgage fraud. These are perpetrated, uh, obviously, on banks, um, all types of lenders. Um, we have different forms. Uh, the one that raises most concern is where um, the, the applicant or the borrower um, is actually uh, in cahoots, if you like, uh, with the lender. So they, they're with the lender's representative. So it may be a broker, an intermediary. It, may be, it could be anyone who actually organises um, a mortgage for someone. Mm-hmm. They will say, let's help this application along a little bit. So we'll provide some false uh, employment details. We'll up your income a little bit. Um, uh, it, that sort of thing. Now, that's most concerning because it, it's placing people in jeopardy who are originally after um, 
a mortgage, mm-hmm. they want to buy a property, they mm-hmm. might feel that they, they're not, a little bit short of the mark, so they dress up, as we say, dress up the application. That gets them then, once again, in a, a heck of a lot of trouble. Uh, firstly, because they've committed an offence, it's called a false instrument, which is like a, a, a forgery type offence, right. um, and they're deceiving the bank. Um, secondly, they may be going in over their head, Yep. so far as the mortgage is concerned. They can't pay the... Uh, um, the repayment sets when the bank starts looking at it a little more deeply. Why can't they pay that back? Perhaps they're not earning as much as they said. They're in trouble. No. Um, the other thing we're seeing is the organised crime aspect of it, and that is, mm-hmm. once again, very concerning. Well, um, they actually, it's, an, it's a form of identity takeover where uh, they will, through a variety of means, identify people who own their houses. There's no caveats on the houses, so they own them outright. Right. Um, there's no encumbrance at all. Now, what they will do then is, once again, through either phishing or um, maybe through the Trojan virus, through uh, delving into their letterbox for a variety of things, they will build up a dossier of personal information on the owner of the house, unbeknownst to them, which would then enable them to go to a bank and obtain a mortgage against the house. Wow. As if they're the owner. Gee. And we're seeing that um, an increasing incidence of that. Mm. Um so our advice to people is if they own their house, do a periodic check on the title of the house to make sure there's no encumbrances have been placed on the house they don't know about because, of course, these mortgages won't be serviced. So the first thing they know is that they get some sort of uh, notification for the bank saying, you haven't been paying your loan. Um, you know, we're going to take this action or we'd like to talk to you about making some sort of arrangements. Um, and that really, you know, if you're sitting at home, you think everything is uh, is kosher so far as your property is concerned, and you get one of those, it's a very scary feeling. And I suppose the danger here, of course, how do you prove it's not? Well, that's right. That's the first thing that you have to do is establish that you're not the applicant. Um, generally, that does happen, but it can take a long time. Um, and one of the unfortunate side effects of identity crime is that um, it affects your credit rating immediately until you can have it repaired. So that affects your ability to uh, to borrow um, legitimately. And you're listening to Finance Talk Back. Barry Preston, we have with us Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson. We certainly do, and Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson is the commander of the New South Wales Police Fraud Squad. Now, we're talking about people um, uh, getting a mortgage on your house, which is very, very challenging in one's mind when you try and think, how the heck do they do that? Obviously, we're looking at uh, identity fraud. Cole, we recently, uh, from recommendation from you guys, uh, to... Uh, interview a representative from Vida Advantage. I think it might have been uh, your offsider. What's his name? Dave Christie. That's right. And we found it very interesting. Now, they keep a record of people's credit, and I think they've got about 14 million files on record, but only 247,000, I think the lady told us, check their own records every year. Now, this is one way of keeping your credit rating and finding out that people haven't stole, uh, stolen your identity. Is it not? Uh, yes, absolutely. It's a it's a very good precaution to take because not only does that um, alert you to um, people um, taking mortgages out in your house, which is the ultimate uh, identity crime, if you like, but also uh, identity crime involves t- people taking smaller smaller loans out um, using your name, um, perhaps taking even credit cards out. So having a check, a credit reference check mm. uh, through that um, company. Um, 
periodically is a very good precaution. And I believe it's free too. I think we must look at that again too. And then again, I believe there's another one where you can pay a premium or pay a, pro- a little, uh, maybe $40, $50, I'm not sure offhand, and they will alert you if anyone ever attacks it. Yes, that's right. And mm. all those are available online. Um, you can get on there and, uh, once again, so long as you uh, uh, log in properly and create an account, mm-hmm. uh, you can do it any time you like uh, from your house. Mm, very good. We must have, uh, uh, visit that again. Okay, but what can we do called to prevent theft of our identity? What are some of the very simple things? But, uh, unfortunately, we probably don't. What are some of them? Well, we spoke about coulogging uh, viruses early on, so obviously you'd ha- you have to have um, the best possible virus protection on your computers because um, these days a, computer's, a computer really is the gateway into your bank accounts. Um, I'm often asked whether the banks are doing enough, usually by the media. Um, my response is that the weakness is no longer lies with the bank. The, the gateway into your bank accounts, or most people's bank accounts, now rests in their own home, in their computer systems. Mm. And that's where the attack is made these days. That's where the people are most vulnerable. Um, the other, of course, is not to, uh, as we've already mentioned, not to uh, respond to emails, not to hit buttons on websites if you don't know what it is. Basically, the bottom line is don't provide your financial information to anyone unless you know in, uh, who they are, you're satisfied that it's safe. Um, very often our uh, uh, email systems will um, um, secure an email or give you the basic um, details of what the email is, but it, it, there's usually a warning, this may be unsafe, mm. and there's an option to mark as unsafe. Never do that unless you're entirely sure that it is a safe email. You're far better off to delete it. Just delete it. If you don't know, just delete it. Even though it looks impressive and there may be some rewards in it, just delete it. Yeah, absolutely. Because identity crime now, uh, over 90% of uh, personal information is harvested, as we call it, on the internet. No longer, it's still a problem with uh, bills and, and hard paper documents at home. We still advocate the shredding of those and securing your mailbox, etc. But the vast majority of that information is now gathered on the internet by the criminals. Gee, and it's getting it's going to get worse, there's no doubt about it, because as uh, as you mentioned, the banks are, are very tight on this. Uh, the weakness is now in the home. Absolutely, that's where the gateway for the offender is. Mm, gee, heavens above. Okay, look, <clears throat> the Nigerian letter, is that dead in the water now, or does it still float around? No, it's still... Uh, the letters still come through in one form or another. They've taken over the, the lottery scams now. <laughs> um, so they're sending them out saying that you've won enormous amounts of money even though you haven't bought a ticket. Yeah, I did that last week. Remember me telling yeah, you? Right. I won a million US and 980,000 euros. <laughs> yeah, All in a week. <clears throat> well, um, and unfortunately people fall for that. Um, the fact that they've never uh, bought a, uh, a lottery ticket seems to, um, seems to not... Um, occur to them but they're getting around now that by saying you've been picked up in a random um survey type thing so they say you you may have answered a survey online or you put your name into a survey and as a result of all that it went to a big bucket and we've chosen you so they've got the answer to that now as well so uh, you may not have heard about it but once again the chances of winning an enormous amount of money from spain or uh, or another part of europe or canada or switzerland and, and they could look as though they come from any other part of the world. Uh, they don't. They generally come from Nigeria, uh, sometimes uh, sort of uh, rooted through um, the uh, USA or or Europe to make them look legitimate. But no, you don't, you don't win enormous amounts of money from overseas in a worldwide lottery 
without knowing about it prior. Pretty tough to try and win that uh, 106 million uh, lotto we had recently. So <laughs> how can you win one overseas? Yeah, because what will happen is if you answer these, if you send, if you uh, ring the number or you uh, send a letter back or you send the email or whatever it is they ask you to do, they will say, oh, yes, that $300 million is available. Uh, all you need to do now is pay. To, uh, well, first of all, it will be a very small amount of money. So uh, or they'll say, you have to pay $500. Mm. Uh, for something. So people will think, oh, $500, I'm getting an enormous amount of money. That's, <laughs> it's fairly cost effective. I'll do that. Mm. Now, psychologists tell us that once you pay that small amount of money, um, most people uh, psychologically are then hooked. That's mm-hmm. why they call it fishing, etc. Yes. Because uh, psychology psychologists tell us that once we pay an amount of money, we don't want to back off because we don't want to lose that amount of money. We keep going. We keep going. So then they'll say, well, now we need another 2500 And then now we need another 10000 hmm. Now we need, and be, The more you pay, it, so the less you want to back out. Yeah, crazy. And they're also very adept. Once, once they start corresponding with you directly, they're very adept. Um, they know what pushins, uh, buttons to push. Um, they know how to get you excited, and one, it's an emotive uh, response. And once we use our emotions, our precautions drop. Mm, very true. I've seen them interviewed on the uh, radio. It could have come from your area. Oh, I've interviewed in the radio on the TV. Sorry, it could have come from your area. A couple of people in Australia, and I believe they've lost millions of dollars. A lot of people in Australia. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. And and uh, and many of them very astute businessmen. Most of them sure. very astute businessmen because they have to have that enormous amount of money or significant amount of money behind them to make it to make it worthwhile for the criminals mm. and generally it will be someone who uh, unfortunately sometimes self-funded retirees fall for it and that's the only money they've gotten uh, mm. but very often very astute businessmen have been businessmen all the their lives and for some reason or other um, uh, a switch goes off in their head and they decide that this is this is it uh, this mm. is uh, legitimate and but we have actually run research where we uh, we looked at amounts of money that have gone overseas in mm. cash payments under ten thousand dollars. So uh, that's not then reportable right. uh, by the to the Commonwealth government, um, and only money that has gone to the Nigeria area, the West African area, mm. significant amount of money. Uh, we identified these people. Uh, we we looked at the individuals who have sent those amount, that amount of money, um, and did a survey. Of people, but none of this was reported to the police. By the mm. way, mm. we went out. And we spoke to a, quite a number of these people. They gave us the facts of how they were, came to sp- send money overseas. In most cases, um, the vast majority of cases, they were victims of Nigerian crime. True. We said to them, "I'm sorry, this is a scam. Mm-hmm. This is a fraud. You've been defrauded." Twenty-five percent of those people continue to send money. What? That's unbelievable. Because, uh, uh, once again, the psychologists have to tell, tell us that the victims of Nigerian scams, it's very much like gambling addiction. You don't want to back out because you don't want to lose the money you've already put in. They're mm, already chasing the bad ones, eh? So, you really, you have to be very, very, very cautious of these things. Start small and could end up in a big problem. Absolutely. And the ATMs, Col, are these still a problem, the automatic teller machines? Yes, we have a, uh, an organised group of Romanians, um, have been out here for some months. They come and go. Uh, we've arrested seven in this state. We have warrants out for uh, for two of those offenders um, who have since gone back to Romania, and other arrests have been made in Victoria and Queensland. But um, 
the devices they put on the ATMs are becoming more sophisticated and much harder to detect. They're, uh, they're made specifically for particular models of ATM. Mm-hmm. Um, they're attached in, in um, uh, ways that enable the devices to be removed very quickly. But um, the new technology is, uh, and once again, technology not only makes life convenient for us, it makes the job easier for crooks sometimes. They're using Bluetooth transmitters. So they'll put the devices on, all the data that is gleaned, that is you put your card in, there's a skimmer there that is really hard to detect that picks up the mag stripe data, magnetic mm-hmm. stripe data, and there's a camera secreted above that picks up your keystrokes when you put your PIN number in. All of that is then transmitted to another recording device that uh, the criminals have nearby. As long as they're within 10 metres, all that data will be instantly transmitted to them. So a very simple way to stop that is when you're putting your PIN number in, go back to the old school days when nobody copied from you. Is that correct? Put your hand over Absolutely. Yeah, the same technique. Either your other hand or a newspaper or whatever you have. Many men will be using an ATM. They have their wallet in their hand. They don't want to put it back in their pocket till they finish. Put the wallet over the top of the other hand when you're doing it. Whatever you're holding in your hand, just hover it above your uh, the, the hand keying in the, the PIN number. The camera can't pick it up. Without the PIN number, they can't do anything with it. And the same thing I see a lot of people at supermarkets p- putting their pins in openly. That's right. There's it's a thing called, uh, it's an old technique called shoulder surfing. Mm. Um, they'll look over, they'll get the PIN number, um, and then later, the, through either being pickpockets or, or, or something like that, they'll acquire the credit card. One thing, and I must... Um, and this has occurred um, on the on the north coast because these Romanians travel up and down the coast between Brisbane and Sydney. What they've been doing is going to ATMs and they'll wait for um, someone to use the ATM. Right. And unfortunately, they seem to target um, uh, more, the more elderly customers. Right. Um, and they'll drop fire just as the uh, the account holder puts the card in. Right. Say it's a lady puts in the PIN number, just after they put the PIN number in, the offender will drop $5 on the floor, mm. on the ground behind them, and say, oh, did you drop that $5? Now, when the lady bends down to pick the $5 up, thinking she did, they'll remove the card, having already uh, recorded the PIN that she's just put in. They'll hit cancel, the card will come out, and they'll... Ah, yes. And they'll go straight to another ATM, take money out. And we're talking fraud and scams today on Finance Talk Back on 2NURFM. We certainly are. We have Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson, who is the commander of the New South Wales Police Fraud Squad. These ATMs and the way they're operating is quite scary when you can see that they're attacking the elderly when they go to use the ATMs, Cole. What would you say to a person who is just going up to an ATM and there's people standing around? What would you suggest? Well, if they're standing too close to them, um, I wouldn't use the machine. I'd wait until there's no one behind. Um, uh, but once again, uh, guard the pin. Don't be distracted by anyone. Uh, another thing they will do is ask for the time, or, um, or so, you know, another way of distracting you after you've put the card in and after you've put your pin in. Um, don't fall for that. Just say, just a moment, just a moment. I won't be a second. That sort of thing. Um, uh, but really, I mean, once you've put your uh, card into the machine and put your PIN number in, you've opened your bank account up. So mm. really, you have to be very, very cautious at that point. Very much so. Okay, now, of course, the emails coming from banks, they've seemed to have slowed down a bit, Cole, have they, or not? Yes, they have. Uh, we're not, there's not as many phishing emails coming out now. Um, they're using uh, more um, 
the uh, as we've previously mentioned, the ones uh, saying that they uh, they want to buy something on the auction side, mm. or uh, but people still have to be vigilant. Um, these things go in waves. Sometimes you won't see them for a while, and they'll pick up again. They're in, they're very much in peaks and troughs. So once again, the message is: it doesn't matter what sort of email it is. Um, don't respond to them if you don't know the person, and certainly don't open any attachments if uh, if you don't know the person. Um, if it was legitimate, they'll contact you again later. That's the story. If it was legitimate, they'll contact you later. Having much success with uh, nabbing people, Cole, with these frauds and so forth? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we uh, we arrested a, uh, a very big organisation the other day. It was uh, um, a credit card skimming uh, job that we didn't uh, with we led it, but we did it with the AFP and uh, um, other enforcement agencies. Uh, what we know of, they they gathered six million dollars um, in proceeds. Wow. Um, and once again, another group from overseas, but orchestrated by a local. Um, so it was good to uh, to arrest them and charge them. So, and we've also had some, uh, 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 as I said, uh, um, a lot of success with the uh, Romanian ATM skimmers. So whilst uh, I mean, the idea of today is not to scare people, no, it's just to make them alert. Be cautious. Cole, um, as we're talking with Detective Superintendent Cole Dyson, the commander of the New South Wales Fraud Squad, thank you very much indeed on behalf of listeners and 2NURFM 103.7 and we'll certainly get you back to bring us up to date with all the crooks, all the actions of crooks. Keep safe and uh, hear from you soon. Thanks, Barry. Always a pleasure. Bye.